Podcast. Let's talk about the weather. Welcome to today's episode of Oddcast. Um, let's talk about the weather. Today we, we're going to talk about um, the sun and the photovoltaics uh, sector. Um, to be precise, we want to cover the sea and ice segment, which is a special part of the uh, photovoltaics um, industry. And to get a bit of light onto this topic, I uh, invited two North American colleagues. These are Shane Reed and Damon Nitzel. Welcome, Shane. Welcome, Damon. Thanks, Martin. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you, Martin. So um, I'd like to start with um, the abbreviation itself, CNI. I, I looked it up. It means commercial and um, industrial. Um, but what does that mean in a, in a solar context? So essentially, CNI is providing power for uh, for businesses or, or in some cases, communities, uh, you know, it's generally a, a rooftop application that we've seen somewhere there's a, a ground mount if they have enough open space in a field. Uh, and these applications are typically for, uh, you know, buildings or, or businesses, um, hospitals, government facilities, you know, the list goes on and on, but it's, it's a smaller scale um, than what we would consider utility scale where we're powering, uh, you know, many, many homes or Or individual places. So you mean like people or houses that are producing energy for its own? Yes. Yep, that's essentially it. Uh, the, the difference here would be that we're not talking about residential applications. So it's not like when you have a company come out and put solar panels on your the roof of your house. It's bigger scale than that. Okay, so it's somewhere in between the residential scale and the utility scale, as you call it, the Uh, real big and huge PV plants. Um, yeah, it's generally, you know, somewhere between maybe 100 kilowatts and, and two megawatts is where these these fall. Shane, you mentioned that they are usually mounted on a rooftop or also on the ground when the company has some space left. Um, are there other characteristics which describe this segment? Uh, yeah, so like I mentioned, uh, the size is, is typically between 100 kilowatts and two megawatts. They're generally fixed angle as opposed to tracking and monofacial panels that we are seeing more adoption of uh, bifacial panels in in rooftop commercial applications. And just to add a quick point to that, you know, a lot of rooftops are white, so that's a perfect situation for bifacial. We're talking about this segment uh, not without a reason. Um, you told me before when we uh, were preparing this uh, today's session that this segment is growing significantly and um, there are some good reasons for that. Damon, maybe you could mention some of these. So why is this a segment with high potential? Well, as, as utility and, and solar power grows, the, the grid is having to adapt to a different level of, of power input where you produce in the day and don't produce at night and have to manage power and as you move generation sources closer it, it gets easier to to manage that so it you know where it's closer than on, on your rooftop and there's also financial implications where companies can procure it themselves or have different funding sources um, everyone wants to be green and 
is, is trending towards taking care of our, our environment. That's more important to companies' customers than it ever has been before and, and to the companies themselves and really humanity as a whole. And I think we're all moving towards those renewable sources. So it's a way for businesses and uh, communities to get together and, and move towards that uh, sustainable energy. Do you both, this question goes out to both of you, do you think this trend could also um, relieve a bit of the issues we had with, with grid challenges that, that the United States just faced? Uh, yeah, I would say it does. It, it gives you more um, independence from the grid. So you're, you have your own generation station that is uh, able to mitigate some of those issues. So when you do have power failures from the main grid, uh, you're not as susceptible. We are talking as a provider of environmental monitoring um, equipment, and uh, this segment is quite quite new to us. Maybe um, you're the sales managers, and you're the guys that are talking to to the customers out there in the segment. Um, what do you think is essential to them? So, what do they need beside the once the panel is installed? As far as sensors that monitor a, a site once it's built, you absolutely need irradiance and an output for the, the meter of the panels and back module temperature to really get a good performance ratio calculation. But what we're seeing is everyone also is measuring air temperature, humidity, pressure, and wind speed and wind direction. So the performance ratio is like the essential factor that describes the performance of a plant, right? That's correct. Yeah, so the, the, out, the actual output of the plant uh, divided by the expected output of the plant, which is calculated from how much irradiance or, or energy is available for the site. And the panel temperature is really important because the efficiency of the panel is directly related to temperature. As panels get hotter, they get less efficient. So if you know how efficient your panels are expected to be and how much irradiance there is, it's the simplest of equations to calculate expected output versus your actual output and get a performance ratio. And then when you add in air temperature and some of the other measurements, you get to refine that measurement a little better and uh, take some uncertainty out of it. When we talk about the utility scale operators, I mean, they are obviously doing that uh, with a reason. So what impact do measurements like these uh, have on the performance of a plant what do they what do the big players do with with the measurements you just mentioned well so the, the obvious one is irradiance you know if there's full sun or if it's cloudy or partially cloudy that that has a big impact on output ambient temperature is the air surrounding the panel so if the panel has a current temperature and, and the ambient temperature is cooler than the the panel itself then the panel is giving off energy to the air And heating the air and as the wind blows it moves that heat away and can cool the panels so knowing the air temperature and wind speed can help you predict panel temperature both in short and, and longer term with weather forecasting uh, there's also uh, wind speed is important for if you have a, a high, high wind event like a, a hurricane or a microburst and anything gets damaged it's important to know that you know what the wind speed actually was and if the damage was caused by something greater than what they're specified or, or if it's uh, within their specifications for insurance reasons and getting things repaired and fixed. So if I'm thinking about installing something like that on my roof or in my uh, on the area I have my factory, um, would you recommend that I'm buying the same stuff as utility scale PV plant owner? So, so a big meteorological station or what would you recommend to me then? 
if you're on the larger side of the CNI range in that that one to two megawatt range, we'd recommend trying to, if you have the budget, to try and match what the utility scale is doing. It's it's always the best to make the best measurements. They last the longest and they're the most resilient. Um, but in most cases, the budget just is is much smaller for monitoring, and it's more important to make a physical measurement than to worry about having a research grade accuracy sensor in place. You know, having a commercially commercial grade accuracy sensor is, is enough. So definitely you should be measuring irradiance and back module temperature. And we recommend as, as we're seeing the industry adapt that uh, adding ambient temperature and wind speed. And typically with ambient temperature comes precipitation or sorry, not precipitation, humidity and barometric pressure. Uh, we do have a few folks that have also added precipitation uh, or a soiling sensor to try and understand how rain is cleaning the panels and whether they need to clean uh, a rooftop site. And a lot of times they have, you know, portfolio of sites from 10 to hundreds of sites and wanting to have a clue that crew that goes around and cleans different sites. They need to know where to go. So they're, they're using precipitation and soil measurements to help direct that work. Okay, you guys are following the, the CNI segment. What do you think are they doing until now to, to get the meteorologic parameters covered? Are they monitoring them at all? And, and how do they do this? So, Martin, I would say that some of them are monitoring, but a lot of them aren't. I, I think there's a perception that in CNI you can put panels on the roof and and boom, I have energy independence and I'm, I'm ready to go. But I think there's more to it than just putting the panels up there. So we want to make sure that we're monitoring conditions to make sure that things are functioning proper, properly because over time, small deficiencies in this area can lead to big energy losses and ultimately reduced performance and uh, you know a, a, a longer time to reach a point of ROI. So I don't know. I, I think of it, you know, measuring something is better than measuring nothing, uh, but having the right tool to, for the job is important. So uh, like the analogy I've used before is, If you have one nail, a hammer is perfect for that one nail. But if you have a thousand nails, you're going to want to use a nail gun. And um, you know, in this in this space, we see a lot of lower end sensors used. Uh, you just want to be careful that you want, don't go too low uh, in quality because it will have a direct impact on on the output that you get from the facility. What would be a typical solution that you recommend then? So irradiance in in GHI and, and POA, if you can. Um, and also back of module temperature. In the case of irradiance, as, as high quality a sensor as the budget allows is recommended. Uh, we also recommend moving away from, from single sensors and using an all-in-one weather station to save on uh, installation costs, not having to worry about multiple sensors and manufacturers and cables and different installation instructions. Uh, Kip and Zonin is just, just releasing a new station that does this that monitors air temperature, humidity, pressure, and wind speed and wind direction but it's not the research grade right so it's it's the medium scale measurements that uh, give you the data that you need but not at, at so high an accuracy that it's cost inhibitive and then if you're in a, a high soiling region uh, maybe southern california arizona new mexico texas uh, in the united states and certainly in in uh, the deserty areas like saudi arabia and uh, places in australia things like that you definitely should consider monitoring soiling um, some of those other places can can have soiling rates as much as 1% a day and, and really cleaning has to be part of that schedule. Do you, do you think from, from your experience 
that plant owners are underestimating the effects of um, soiling to the performance of their plant? Probably because there's a lot of different types of soiling, uh, like farm chaff, airplane, oil fumes, just blowing dust from a highway, uh, larger scale blowing dust. Like, for example, in the Netherlands, uh, they have red Saharan dust that deposits in a particular time of year because it gets carried over on trade winds. And because it's so variable and there's so many different sources of it um, and, and where CNI is, you know, that's smaller scale that hasn't had quite as much attention paid to it. Uh, I think it's easy to overlook a lot of different sources of soiling um, on the East coast. There's uh, pollen and moss. And there's also uh, animals that especially birds, right. That um, could really soil a, a system and cause lots of problems. So it's, it's, hasn't historically been a, a key focus point, but in the last year or two, we've really seen a lot of interest in trying to understand how soiling is affecting uh, individual sites and portfolio-wide performance. So it's way more than I thought of when I hear soiling. I thought of, of dust and sand on the uh, desert PV areas, uh, PV plant installations. But that's interesting what you're saying. Yeah? So um, it's basically a topic for for every kind of installation. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about CNI, but even residential, you know, as a homeowner, you should be looking up and, and seeing if your panels are clean every couple of months and taking care of that yourself. So just to come to, to an end, I'd like to ask for something like an outline or a perspective. What do you think this segment will develop like in the next years? What potential do you see in this? as a follower of a business? I think we'll see increasing types of smaller scale sites. I mean, community solar is, is already a, a well-known segment, right? But I think we'll see that increase where uh, groups of people that would normally put in residential that maybe aren't suited for that will come together and put in these smaller scale, you know, two to two to five megawatt plants and be able to have solar as a renewable energy source. We'll see more corporate adoption uh, as, as, costs continue to come down for solar, it'll be easier for everyone to use this as an energy source. As we look at changing weather and extreme weather events, I, I think we'll definitely see resilience and power coming from, uh, you know, power generation on site with storage on site to be able to have some backup. I, I don't think, you know, going off grid is, is going to be a widespread, widespread trend but we'll definitely see an increase in distributed generation as a whole. Shane, what else do you see? I, I can only echo what was said. I think the centralized grid is eventually going to be a, a backup to the individual sources that are used. These renewable energy sources that are used on the smaller scale, you know, whether that's a campus level or even a residential rooftop level um, and the opportunities to, generate your own energy or even sell energy back to the grid, uh, you know, really, especially in the business landscape have, uh, you know, far reaching implications to profitability and, and return on investment. So I, I think we're going to continue to see growth uh, for, for many years in this space. That's an interesting time to come for, for the solar business and energy business in general. I thank you both for attending this, this episode and this really interesting conversation. Um, I think we'll come back to, to this topic in one of our next episodes. For now, I'd like to thank you and wish you a nice day. Thank you, Shane. Thank you, Damon. Thank you, Martin. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the time.
Let's talk about the weather. 